Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's live room right here on Locked On Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Locked On Bearcats. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank your team every day, as I was going to say. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join me, Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcats, excuse me, and Sports Illustrated, going to join me here in just a matter of moments. We've got plenty to get to today. The big news of the day is, well, it was going to be a recap of the spring game, but now it's going to be Bearcats quarterback or maybe potentially former Bearcats quarterback Ben Bryant entering his name in the transfer portal, but he is keeping options open. He is keeping the option open to return to the Cincinnati Bearcats. There is a lot to analyze and discuss with this development. Um, I'm, I, for one, am surprised um, given how he spoke after the, the, the game on Saturday, given all that has happened throughout the spring, given how well he has played. But I also think he's entering his final season of eligibility, and I think he's going to do – he's going to exhaust all his options. He understands that nothing's given. He understands – that just because he's in his sixth year, just because he played for the Bearcats last year and was a starter for 11 of the 13 games, that doesn't mean he's guaranteed to be the starting quarterback this upcoming season. So I get where he's coming from. I'm just shocked. But And what's interesting about this too is it's it's like this never-ending saga with Ben Bryant as the Bearcats' starting quarterback. I mean, he he comes in, fans want him to be the starter, and he's not. Then he transfers out. Then he comes back, and he's viewed as a liability. And now he's on his way out again, and he may come back. I mean, if it's possible for a sixth-year quarterback to have three different stints with one team, I think that that I think that that would be uh, something I've never seen before in my time covering the Bearcats in college football. I don't know how many times it's happened over the years, but I I, I am surprised that Ben Bryan is transferring. But I'm also I'm also I'm also not surprised given that he's in his final season of eligibility. And with that, we bring on the man, the myth, the legend, the driving force behind all Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, none other than Russ Heltman. Russ, it is a absolutely fantastic day outside, and uh, we've got a lot to get to today. Oh boy, Alex, let's get into it. Say no more. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Boy, how about a stunning turn of events uh, right before we came on this live room that Ben Bryant, Russ, is entering the transfer portal. That throws out basically 
every question that I came up with to ask you at 310 in the morning this morning for this live room. So let me ask you, Russ, what's your reaction to this? Um, not super surprised. Uh, Emory Jones was brought into this program to be the starting quarterback. He fit the system perfectly. And this coaching staff, in my eyes, had no plans to have Ben Bryan even a part of this quarterback battle, seeing as he was supposed to be missing most of spring ball with that foot injury. He's able to rehab very quickly, able to get back very quickly, and able to show he's a capable and very comparable talent to Emory Jones, two guys that I would say are bottom-tier Power 5 starter level, high-tier Group of Five level starters, and starters that did not really separate themselves at all coming out of the spring practice period, spring game period. And given that fact... It's why we have Ben Bryant entering the transfer portal, Alex, but not fully gone. Has sourced reports saying that he will maybe return, is keeping that door open. You don't usually see that in the sport of college football, really in any transfer scenario anywhere in any sport in college. So that was an intriguing aspect to me that speaks to how close this battle has been over the last six weeks. Really does. And I, I find it really interesting, Russ, that you said that, Ben Bryan and Emory Jones are high-end G5 starters as opposed to low-end P5 starters. I think what's interesting to me is Ben Bryan has never started a game for a Power 5 team. So right. if he ends up not coming back, where do you see him going? Could be a Mac school. Could be uh, – maybe it's another AAC school. And who knows? I, I, I could see something like that. But I would be I would be kind of shocked if he gets a Power 5 opportunity to go start somewhere. It's just we haven't seen that type of performance from Ben Bryant. He was in the 50s in terms of production last year, 50th in yards, 44th in touchdowns, 51st in total interceptions thrown. So he's kind of that right in the middle type of quarterback in the 40 to 50 range, which at a program like UC going into the Big 12, the standard is obviously higher than 40 to 50th best quarterback in the country type of range. A standard that might not get met this season, but a standard that I'm sure Scott Satterfield, Pete Thomas, and entire coaching staff are trying to get up closer to that top 25, top 20, top 15, top 10, and top five option, which really outside of Georgia building an absolute behemoth of a program, it's impossible to win a modern college football national championship without one of those top five players in the sport at the quarterback position. No question about it. So if, if I asked you on this day, April 20th, if Ben Bryant is going to come back, Russ, what would you say? I'd say no. I'd say that chances no. are about 5%, 10%. I would be very surprised. I just think Emory Jones didn't steal the job, but he kind of came in with the known factor of, hey, you're going to get every chance to win it. And as soon as he had that decent drive to start the spring game, had that kind of gamer drive that Justin Williams of the Athletic asked him about um, in the postgame press conference, that to me was like, all right. It's going to take Ben Bryant wowing the staff during this game for, for Emory Jones to get that conversation held, which I'm sure was held with both of them throughout this week of saying, hey, Emory, we got Ben above you, and we don't know that we can kind of fulfill all the things we said you might be able to do in this program this year based off what we've seen over the past six weeks. But as soon as he had that drive, made some great anticipatory throws, had some great checkdowns, went through his progressions well, performed admirably in that spring game with the tools and talent at his disposal in this very thin Bearcats offense. That to me was kind of the the separating factor in why Ben Bryan has entered the transfer portal, but it wasn't enough of a separating factor to make him completely decommit from the program, so to speak. I think it's 
do, do you think like Ben Bryan was just like going to stick around through the spring? Because I think Scott Satterfield said something really interesting that I don't really recall Luke Fickle ever saying after a spring game where he said that they were going to sit down with every player and have honest conversations. And I mean, any coach can say that, but I guess clearly there was something maybe in that conversation that caused Ben Bryan to end up transferring. So do you think he just wanted to like stick around in the spring and see where he was at and how he fitted into this system? I mean, he stayed through the whole spring and we're talking last week that Ben Bryan, you said Ben Bryan right now is your starter, but now he's in the transfer portal. So, you know, like what do you think led to this? Do you think it was, I mean, what like you say, Emory Jones didn't really seal it, but he came out and showed why he was the presumed starter when he committed here as a transfer. What 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 are you seeing, Russ? Well, I mean, I just like I just said, Alex, it's the the Emory Jones and his performance in that spring game to me was enough for the coaching staff to say, hey, he struggled in practice. He hasn't had the timing with the receivers. He hasn't been accurate. I, in my eyes, he was not as accurate as Ben Bryant. He was not as good of a passer as Ben Bryant throughout the fifteen practice periods over the two weeks of, of, the, of the playing program. Like, I don't think anybody that was at those practices would disagree with me on that. But when you factor in top 100 prospects, power five experience, like the fact that he has played in a Florida program before, all of this leading into him performing at a comparable, competent level in the spring game, that to me was the difference. And Ben Bryant, you just haven't seen him do it. And the one time he was able to play power six level football, he was a 40 to 50th best started quarterback in the country. Yeah, it's interesting to think about it. It really is. So, um, sorry if this camera, um, Russ, I, I, I'm not sure. Are you, can I, can you still hear me? Cause your camera just went black. Yeah, I got you. I guess. Okay. There we go. Okay. So we're good to go there. Sorry for those of you watching this live room. And for those of you who listen to this, tomorrow or watch this tomorrow in podcast form so plenty obviously that led up to this plenty obviously that's going to come out of this all in all with the ben bryant emory jones conversation to wrap a bell on this and why emory jones is kind of getting the nod now it's the prowess coming in it's the four-star level coming in it's the top 100 status coming in it's the it's it's kind of the all of this pelts he had on the wall on top of the fact that he performed competent enough at the spring game to make the coaching staff feel like, all right, all of the things we've seen him do before these past six weeks, before he's been thrown into the fire of a new program, new system, new receivers, new offensive line. I mean, completely new all across the board. And the fact that he's able to get through all that and still show some of that lights, bright lights are on fiery mentality and fiery performance. That to me was the biggest difference. And Ben Bryant, if he went out there and tossed three or four touchdowns, maybe he gets the nod, but he didn't do anything. He didn't output outplay Emory yeah. Jones in the spring game. And I would say you would agree with me on that, Alex. So when, when you don't outplay a guy that you were behind going into the spring competition and going in the spring practice, even though you did outperform it in practice, the bright lights speak louder than practice, as AI would say, would say. We're only talking about practice here. And, and nobody wants to talk about practice anymore, no. especially when we can finally get closer and closer to games when the next fall camp approaches. Yeah, and I think that's a great point there, Russ. I feel like it was good for me because that was my first spring practice game that I had been to. You had been to most of them, if not all of them. So for me, it was really good to see Emory Jones have the kind of performance he had. I think for you as well to see that, okay, there's a reason why the Bearcats wanted him to come here and why he is here. 
And I think that would, okay, because you told me last week and you told our listeners that the passing game is going to struggle. But I watched some of the balls Emory Jones threw, and I said, okay, this, this is something that can be worked with here. And I think that that is a positive sign going forward. So plenty more on this. I'm sure we'll talk about it next week, Russ. And by the way, Russ, how about this? Next week on the live room, how about we do a, a draft day special? Because next, thir- next Thursday night is the NFL draft. Potentially six Bearcats could get drafted by NFL teams. But coming up, Russ and I will get into the spring game. I was going to ask you about the quarterback battle, but I don't think we need to do that now because we feel like we know who the starting quarterback could be, even if Ben Bryan transfers back here, possibly. But there's plenty to get to from the spring game, including Russ, a guy who was supposed to be getting ready for his senior prom over the weekend. (laughs) We'll get into that after I explain to you how this episode of Locked On Bearcats is brought to you by Built Bar. So, if the uh, script here, something exciting is coming to Built.com tomorrow. I I don't have all the details yet. Well, actually, Saturday, if you listen to us live. Tomorrow, if you listen to us in podcast form. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something you won't want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors and limited quantity. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I can't wait to see what this new flavor is. Make sure you use promo code LOCKDOWN15 and you'll get 15% off your order. LOCKDOWN's NFL Mock Draft Special is here and it's bigger than ever. Follow along all 32 teams' first pick in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft Experience. Only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, I did a a player spotlight, Russ, on Tyler Scott a few weeks ago. And I really do think whoever gets him, that's a steal. Because you think about a guy who can take the top off a defense with his speed and his yards after catch and his big playmaking ability, I mean, that could be a dangerous weapon for an offense to have. Wouldn't you agree? No doubt. He should be right on the radar of the, I would say his floor to me feels like the Chargers third round pick. That's what it feels like. If the Chargers don't take him and he's on the board in the third round, that would be malpractice. That team is desperate for speed. They need somebody that can utilize the deep ball. Just monstrous arm of Justin Herbert. They don't have anybody that can run a 4-5, let alone a 4-4, let alone a 4-3 and below 40 on that roster. So Tyler Scott out west in L.A. I'm sure Bengals fans would love to see him here and stick in Cincinnati. I just don't see the draft round fit for that kind of uh, marriage to happen. But Tyler Scott in the third round would be a lot of fun. And then the Bengals-wise, in terms of a player sticking at at UC and sticking in Cincinnati, which hasn't really happened – for a consistent amount of time, I believe, since Kevin Huber yeah. got drafted in 2009. He's the last starter the Bengals selected from UC. Trey Tucker in the fifth or sixth round for the Bengals at the end of those rounds, end of the fifth round. I think he could be an option. Same with that end of fifth round pick for Josh Wiley. And uh, those Bearcats are going to really start going off the board in the uh, in the back half of the draft. Day three is going to be a big yeah. popcorn day for UC fans watching guys like Josh Wiley and Ivan Pace all come off the board. Big popcorn day. I like where your head's at. 
Saturday, April 29th is the third round. But, of course, we'll take in your comments, questions, and whatnot in the chat. So, Russ, we already, I mean, we pretty much hit on the quarterbacks because of Ben Bryant deciding to transfer. But what else stood out to you in the spring game on Saturday? Well, the, 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 the biggest thing that stood out to me was Barry Jackson. I mean, the dude led go. the team in yards, targets, catches. He was all over the field as a slot receiver on Saturday. And I think it bodes very well for his career trajectory here in Cincinnati. You love seeing guys, especially early enrollees, just hit the ground running and get those valuable, meaningful early reps. Coach Satterfield talked about that after the game, how important it is to get him out there this early in his career. You mentioned the jokey uh, dropped on us with the the getting ready for the prom line. And Jackson, to me, along with Brady Drogosh, those guys were, were very impressive. They were the two most impressive players in my eyes just overall from the spring game. It's kind of hard with, with units shifting in and out and all that stuff, but Brady Drogosh opting out of the green jersey, going with the regular jersey, taking some licks, getting out on the field. He looks like the fastest quarterback in the room right now. And obviously – to me, he's a little too young to be fully enthralled in this quarterback competition and giving Emory Jones a run for his money. But, man, I don't know. Like, he, he's not ready, Alex, but this team's not winning. This team's not winning the Big 12 this year. I don't think they're even going to win seven, eight games this year. And in a rebuilding year like this, I don't know that it's the worst thing to get Brady Drogosh in playing time, although you would be giving up a redshirt year opportunity and something like that. But if he's as good as you hope he is, Brady Jogos ain't playing his redshirt senior season in Cincinnati. You're hoping he's already in the NFL by then. So, yeah, he's talented enough. I say play him, but I don't think he's quite at the body thickness weight level yet to be able to play a full slate of starting reps as a Big 12 quarterback. So we'll probably see Emory Jones or whoever wins that job throughout the season and no Brady Drogosh. But, man, that was a tease for the Bearcats fans seeing him uh, getting live action on Saturday afternoon. A lot of fun. So here's my next question because we I saw – I think you and I can agree on this, and we talked about this during the spring game. It, it, you know, too, Russ, it was really great to see everybody in the press box, down on the field, in the media room. Um, shout out to Adriaticos for lunch during the spring game. That was really nice. The best. I love Adriaticos. And it's the best pizza on UC's campus for my money's worth. Um, I agree. Yeah, just just really great to see, you know, to cover a game. I mean, that was my first football game I covered since uh, 2021. But that aside, did anything stand out to you or anything you saw from the wide receivers make you feel any different, anything different about them heading into the season? They need they need three, at the least two. They got to get two wide receivers in here. And and quizzically, Alex, we've only seen one reported wide receiver transfer offer so far which was uh, i forget what the nebraska receiver's name is but they offered him and you can find that on all bearcats on the football tab to yeah. check more details out on that but a p- couple of offers in the trenches so far this week defensive trenches at that i didn't think they would offer or try to pursue any front seven namely interior front seven players and it looks like they're trying to get some uh some depth for malik van and um and Juwan Briggs on the outside of that defensive yeah. line with some guys out of Old Dominion and Louisiana Monroe. But they need receivers, man. They need them bad. Leslie Ando played a lot. I mean, they have two slots right now. They have two slot receivers with Keyshawn Helton's kind of debilitating injury that we don't 
it's probably going to be season ending, but not fully confirmed right now. They're not banking on Keyshawn Helton. That's all I know. And when you have two slot receivers, one of them a walk-on and one of them a true freshman early enrollee, they got to get they got to get at least yeah, one extra slot receiver, and I would imagine one outside receiver to curb some of these injury issues that have plagued them throughout the spring camp period. Hey, look, I'm just saying, uh, in their first and second years, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins were on a Bengals Super Bowl team, so. Does experience really matter that much? I mean, I You're think talking about does. the NFL. This ain't high schoolers coming off the field in Georgia, uh, eating orange peels, and then going into. I mean that. Look, yeah, college football. You, high school to a, college, Alex, is a way different transition. Yeah, even harder, especially when you're not a five-star talent like Jamar Chase okay. and T. Higgins were. So no, I and that's fair. That at all. I don't think that's I knew that. Problem. I was just throwing it out there. Now, I, I will say this. Leslie Endo looked good on Saturday. Sterling Burkhalter made some nice catches. He did, yeah. Um, Jair Thomas made some nice plays. Shaman Mateo looked pretty good when I was down These on the field. Starting tight end right now as Joey Belgian is done for the season. I would imagine they add at least one tight end. And Dayton, four-star, 2021 Alabama commit on the board right now in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that. I forget his actual – I keep forgetting these guys' names, but – uh, you can find him. He's a Wayne High School grad. The Bearcats were not involved with his recruitment two years ago. So. Interesting. Interesting. Well, see if they get involved now. That's interesting because they, I mean, having lived near Dayton, and I do now, Wayne High School is a powerhouse when it comes to football. Right. Yeah. It's really, really good. And they have, I mean, they had some unbelievable teams when I was growing up. So let's get to the defense. How do you feel about the secondary? I know Armorion Smith is under the transfer portal. That came as a surprise to me. But how do you feel about the secondary, Russ, after watching them on Saturday in their first live game action? Feel pretty good. Feel pretty good about it. Okay. Uh, the defense, to me, looks solid. Secondary gave up a couple more plays than you'd like to see, I would say. But there's some good PBUs. They tackled very soundly. I thought Brian Threats played well. Taj Ward and DJ Taylor looked solid. And they're kind of reserve safety roles and not reserve. One of them will be reserved and then we'll kind of switch in and out as a rotation that's in that starting unit. But Omorion Smith enters the transfer portal. I think that's kind of telling in terms of that safety hierarchy right there. A guy who slotted in and was a rotational piece as a starter last year, player uh, appeared in all 12 games in the regular season for the Bearcats. So Solid. I wasn't really too keyed in on the defense, to be honest. I I, I know what they are. We know what the defense is. Yeah. First play of the game, Daniel Greshik, strip sack. That's how this team is going to win football games the entirety of the 2023 season. This might be the shortest game play time in the last five years for the Cincinnati Bearcats because they're going to be running the football a lot, Alex, and they're going to be having to win games based off a of great defense. Wins in the 20s, wins in the low 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 20s, mid 20s. I don't see many victories for this Bearcats team happening in the 30 point range in terms of back and forth barn burning affairs. So it's going to take grinded out defensive prowess out of this Black Cats unit that has been the face of the program, the staple of the program over the past three to four years. And it's going to be leaned on heavier than ever in 2023. You know what? I I thought Greshik set the tone on Saturday. No doubt. I mean, the dude is so good, man. He I is, apologize. He is such, such a great talent. 
a relentless talent, can rush from both ends, a very good run defender. Actually told me, I asked, I, I, asked, I knew what his answer was going to be, but I was like, do you like uh, being a better, do you like defending the run more or do you like rushing the passer more? And because I asked him, for example, Derek Wolf, former UC player, said he likes to defend the run more and set the edge and hit guys and install a kind of physical yeah. presence that way as an NFL player. And Greshik was like, nah, I like sacking the quarterback. That's what <laughs> Well, if that, if that first play is an indication of what's to come this season, we're in for a night, a great season from him. You know what else is gonna, you know what else is gonna make games quicker, Russ? What's that? No lengthy, no lengthy TV timeouts or replay reviews. Shout out ESPN Plus and whatever other network the Bearcats played on during their time in the AAC. We can actually watch. We can, we, we should be able to watch every game this year, Alex. On on that's actually aired for both major programs. It's it's going to be shocking. People and are going to be, be amazed. It's going to be amazing. And, and, and just to be clear, the the, the 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 technical product of the game is going to be good. Yes, that's what. Yeah, that's what we can't. The technical is what ESPN could control. We're not going to throw a throw well, shade at them if the Bearcats start getting. Oh, I'm pretty sure you did, Russ. You did two months ago after the Tulane basketball game. What are you talking about? The ESPN Plus when the Bearcats played at Tulane during basketball season. Oh yeah, and I ripped the hell out of that. They they destroyed all the things that they could control. The <laughs> broadcast that they could control was an abject disaster. It was pixelated to no end. It was unbelievable. You won't get that. You won't, you won't get that in the Big Twelve. I can't believe you didn't mention anything about Jordan Young when I asked you about the secondary. He's looked good. We've talked about Jordan Young multiple times on here. I think people are pretty pretty familiar with Jordan Young. He is going to be the CB1 definitively on the outside for this team yes. in 2023. And to me, I'd be shocked if he doesn't have three or four interceptions. Four interceptions oh. to me feels like a good goal for Jordan Young this year and, and very attainable. That's a number that, that uh, the Bearcats would love to see him put up. You know, you know who he reminds me of when he hits? Hmm. James Wiggins. Yeah, yeah. Similar type of player, and and Young could still get bigger too. He's a, he's not necessarily a oh. old old guy. Came in, I think, as a retro sophomore over from Florida. So still some chances in the next two three months to get bigger ahead of Camp Ground. Yeah, that's bad news for anybody for any off, opposing offense who has to play the Bearcats this year. Yeah, he had a he literally had an interception. I think in twelve or thirteen of the fifteen practices that I attended. That's how good he was and how little this receiving room could separate from his coverage. That's productive. All right, so which running back stood out to you on Saturday? None. None really stood out. Corey Kiner, I noted his receiving ability. I was really impressed by that, the way he ran his dump-off routes, the way he kind of shimmied himself into soft spots in the zone at the right times of Emory Jones and Ben Bryant's progressions. But Ethan Wright, to me, popped again. I think he's a guy that's – that's cementing at least a role in this running back room where last year he's coming off of playing safety all season. That was the, that was insane to me. I could not believe they moved him to safety. That didn't make any sense to me. He is a born and bred to hit people running back. He's a guy that loves to lay down the pain in the open field and in between the tackles. But I mean, I don't think he's going to be a bell cow player for this team. He'll probably be a part of a three to four man rotation. And to me, no guys have really taken control a la a Jerome Ford, bell cow type of back. And we could see a committee like we saw last year. To me, though, Alex, there's enough talent in this running back room to sufficiently execute and meet the goals of this coaching staff running the ball-wise. Is the talent there, and will it gel enough 
on the offensive line is the main question for me. It did not happen last year. We know how much they struggled to run the football, and they kind of struggled to protect Ben Bryant and Evan Prater down the stretch there. So how well does this offensive line gel, I think, is going to play a huge – obviously it's going to play a huge factor, but even more so than most years because if that offensive line can be competent – then things can start to get more competent across the board for the offense. But if the offensive line isn't good, this offense is dead on arrival. There's just not enough talent outside those five guys to overcome it. Yeah. No, and I think you're right. I mean, this running game should be better because of the scheme and the system that Satterfield plays that is going to deploy here. But you're right. I mean, the offensive line is still a work in progress. And you saw that occasionally in the running game, as we talked about on Saturday, the passing game was – a struggle as well. I, I worry about this offensive line's ability to hold up and pass protection for long periods of time. I, well, I worry it, about it was evident throughout camp that they cannot pass protect. Yeah, and and I saw that for my for my own two eyes on Saturday. So, were there any other transfers who stood out to you on Saturday? Um, not real. I mean. Sterling popped a little bit more than he had in recent practices. As you mentioned, Sterling Burkhalter has been solid. I like what I've seen out of him, but no, no other huge transfer pops. Carter Brown has performed well as a kicker. Another year where just like Ryan Coe last year, I think another transfer year where you're not going to have to worry about the, the kicking issues popping up like they did throughout the Luke Fickle era. So that's good to see special teams and defense should be the heart of this team you've got a reigning AAC special teams player of the year all-american punter you've got a very good player in Carter Brown who I think could be one of the better kickers in the big 12 this year and you have one of the better special teams coaches in my eyes in the country and Kerry Coombs so how much can they squeeze out of those oranges in this upcoming season the defense and the special teams can they get enough juice out of those two units to where it's can overcome a lagging offense and get them somewhere near 500 in year one of Scott Satterfield. That should be the goal. Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right because we don't know what this offense is going to look like. Even though we say it struggles, we don't really know. So one thing you can bank on is the defense. Now, does Jaheim Thomas entering the transfer portal affect the Bearcats defense? I don't think so. You and I were having, uh, having a little back and forth on this over the weekend. I don't think it affects yeah. it too much. Jamal Williams has popped to me throughout camp. Jaheim Thomas has not been available at all due to injury throughout the spring period and Jamal Williams has stepped in for him admirably and done a really great job. He was part of a turnover in the spring game, had an interception, a great read and zone coverage on Brady Lichtenberg, I believe. So I love what I've seen out of Jamal Williams. I think he could step right in. I don't think that's a huge loss for the Bearcats. And it's, uh, it's something that they'll be able to overcome despite the talent of Jaheim Thomas, who 60 plus tackles last year, uh, multiple tackles for loss. He was very solid. And you're perfectly right, Alex, as we kind of tie a bow on the football here. The, the offense could take a big step. It's possible. In the transfer portal era, I mean, hey, if they go out and sign Jordan Hudson, six foot one, 190 pound wide receiver out of TCU, number two transfer on the board right now from on three, bing, bang, boom, you're right back into maybe being a competent offense with that player alone. But we just don't know right now because as it stands, especially with this wide receiver room, and the tight end room at that, how thin both positions are, it's just hard to see how uh, see a high ceiling for this team offensively at the moment. Yeah, and that's fine because now I, I think Jaheim Thomas, what stood out to me was this: that was at the time the highest defensive commit 
in the 24-7 sports era. It was a hometown hero. First time, really, that that had happened since the coaching change. And he had a good season last year that I was really excited to see him build off of this year. But the more I think about it, now you're starting to see the roster turnover that comes with a coaching change from Luke Fickle to Satterfield. And we kind of saw this with Marvin Lewis to Zach Taylor with the Cincinnati Bengals, and look what that turned into. So you hope that a lot of good stuff comes out of it. So apparently we don't have any questions and comments in the chat. Um, Very special day in my life. I said earlier today on the podcast, Russell, I don't know if you had a chance to listen, but today is my mom's birthday, a proud Cincinnati Bearcat alum. So, Mom, if you're listening, happy birthday. I love you, and I hope you're having a great day. Happy birthday, Alex's mom, for sure. Shout out. <laughs> she appreciates that. Thank you, Russ. And uh, Russ, thank you for joining me today. You can follow Russ on Twitter at Russ Hellman 11. And uh, Russ will be back next week for a live room draft day special. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty, two N's and an ATI. Instagram, Alex Frank and underscore email, Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Coming up next week, plenty of draft content to get to with the Bearcats. Plenty more from Ben Bryant entering the transfer portal. And we got so much to get to next week. Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Have a great weekend, and I'll be back here on Monday on Lockdown Bearcats.